This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. So since we're fast approaching the end of summer and many of us are anticipating a back-to-normal fall, I thought it would be fitting to chat about how to coexist with COVID-19. Because it seems as although most restrictions have been lifted, the virus and all the emotional side effects of it uh, are going to be lingering. So joining me today is author, speaker, and founder of The 8-Hour Therapist, Dr. Natasha Sharma. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, thanks for having me. So it appears that COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon, and it seems as though it's going to linger in the form of variants, and its effects on society are going to linger for a lot longer. So I'm wondering, as I'm sure many of us are, how do we begin to coexist with COVID? And I think the bigger question is, can we? Mm -hmm. Well, I think think we'll have to, um, (laughs) is sort of the short answer, because it does appear to be, and again, just to be very clear, I'm not an epidemiologist, nor am I an infectious disease specialist um, or any of these related types of professions, but it would appear that um, it is in the environment. It is in our environment, potentially long-term. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we're going to, anything that I think becomes a regular part of our lives, we as human beings, as a species, do need to adjust to it. And we will. And I think we already have. That's another point is to always remember that the past year and a half has taught us just how much we actually can adjust and adapt to situations and changes in our environment. So I think we're, I think we'll have to continue living with it, but it's becoming much more normalized. And this is a word that's now being used when we talk about COVID and variants in the environment is how do we normalize our life and and sort of coexist with it? And I think that in, that that I think is sort of a longer answer, but it involves um, you know living out our lives in a way that makes sense and following rules that make sense, not just because they're rules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I actually really yeah. love that point, and I think you're so right. I think you know if you look back, we actually already are coexisting with it. We just haven't realized mm-hmm. it yet. So that's a really good point. I mean, what does it even look like? So let's talk a little bit about what does co- uh, coexisting with COVID look like so that we can realize that we're actually already doing it? Well, I think there's certain habits that I would really personally, as a, as a person, as just a human, but also as an expert in the wellness and emotional uh, mental health field, um, I, there's certain things I would really like to see continue, habits that we've picked up. You know, first, you know, wearing a mask when you're sick. I mean, not all the time, obviously. I don't, I don't think we hope, we're hoping we don't have to live in a world, obviously, one day where, we, where we're wearing masks every time we, you know, are in a large crowd or stepping into a store. But, you know, if, if I have a cold, just a common cold, wouldn't it be great if I thought of my fellow people, if I have to go out to the grocery store or, or, or wherever, um, and slap a mask on just when I have that cold, you know, especially in those first few days when I could transmit it because then I just save somebody else a miserable cold. You know, um, I think it's these kinds of habits, um, washing our hands and, um, you know, sanitizing, you know, maybe here and there so that we are uh, keeping ourselves from catching, um, you know, not necessarily COVID or variants of COVID, which can be more serious, but just the annoying 
um, things that we, we would rather not have so many of, you know, for some of, some people get them a lot. So I think things like that, just thinking more about our own health and being more health centric, mm-hmm. because we've moved that way. We've really moved the needle to become more health and wellness centric more than we ever have in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would personally like to end more socially oriented for the most part. That was- And I would really, yes. And I would really like to see that continue. We'll never make everybody feel comfortable because inevitably people will have views that can be drastically different um, and maybe not even be founded in much logic. And so there's not really any way you can make everybody happy and comfortable. I think what, uh, what we should really strive for is to um, take good care of ourselves first without unnecessarily causing any harm uh, to other people or, you know, not uh, shunning practices that have been scientifically proven through repeated research and trials to be protective not only to the self but to our fellow fellow community as well, members. Well, I'm hearing all too often that so many of us and so many people are scared to face this new reality. What advice can we mm-hmm. offer those who may be experiencing anxiety? I think it's it, just like any form of anxiety. You really can't uh, have this line, you know, that I've said many times. Um, you can't really think your way out of fear. Anxiety is, a form, is obviously an extreme form of fear, usually an irrational form of fear. You can't think your way out of it. You have to act your way out of it. And um, we will, there will be some people who, you know, for reasons uh, uh, reasons of their own and, and otherwise, who may feel very hesitant to re-enter, you know, things in their usual life. And it's very important for us to get back to uh, as much of that as possible because it's no kind of quality of life, um, physically, emotionally, without it. So for those individuals, taking small, making sure you take small steps to re-enter your life. You don't have to jump in the deep end and just do everything on day one, <laughs> you know. But start small and continue to add every day, every week, something back into your routine, you know, until maybe you, you're working your way up in a few months' time to getting on, jumping on a plane and finally going back to traveling, if that's your thing, you know, and, and you're feeling afraid of it. So it's, it's about exposing yourself, exposure, um, through your behavior to make sure that you re-enter slowly but surely. And one of the things... If you're I've, feeling anxious. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the interesting things is I honestly believe that every single one of us is feeling a little bit anxious about, you know, whatever it is that, you know, the new reality or the new normal is. Like, I experienced social anxiety a little bit when I realized I'm going to be out and I'm going to be with people. And it's not that I'm afraid of people. It's just you haven't been out in so long that you're like, oh, boy, you know, how do you behave? And is everybody feeling the same way? I, I found it was very interesting for me, and I don't normally have those types of anxiety. So it's interesting that we're all going to be facing that. And you're right. It's about taking those baby steps and doing something every day to kind of build up towards it. You know, everybody's talking about this fourth wave, this fourth wave, another lockdown. It is causing a lot of stress on people's minds. Like how, what what do we do? Like, how do you recommend dealing with the stress of an impending fourth lockdown? Well, so I haven't, I, I, the fourth wave, I think I've, I've read a little bit about that. Um, and that's sort of an aside point is making being, again, I've said this so many times, not just in the pandemic, but before it, being very careful about the amount of news you consume. But um, yes, I think it's, I think 
you know, I understand how people and myself too, you know, that's the last thing we want because it feels like going backwards. It feels like just you're on repeat, you know, it's just, you know, there's never a feeling of resolution or aha or feeling free. And uh, I think, first of all, I think it's important not to assume or, or, or believe that that's inevitable um, because my sense, and again, I, I'm not an expert in infectious disease or, and I'm not a member of government, but I'm hopeful that lockdowns are, will be a thing of the past. I mean, we might experience a fourth wave of infection, but I think the question will be how many people get very sick in this fourth wave of infection because that will determine whether or not we have a lockdown, is my guess. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, by all means, to put a more positive spin on it, by all means, the data seems to suggest that significantly fewer, significantly fewer people are becoming um, very ill uh, and, and almost no one who has been vaccinated, a very tiny percentage, are, are ending in death. So those become, I think, critical factors to determine whether governments, at least here in Canada, will lock down. Because if we're just getting sick, but it's, it's manageable, then it's like a cold. It's a flu. You know, we all get, we get those every year and we manage them for the most part at home or with our prime, you know, through you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's very important to just, you know, keep some perspective, wait, we, we're, we, we have a vaccination uh, a program very much in place. And let's see what happens. That's, that's the best advice I can give. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I feel like, you know, just, I guess, kind of staying as positive as we can, and then remembering yeah. how far we've actually come. So that brings us to our point earlier on in the conversation, where it's like realizing that we've actually learned to coexist, and we can face yeah. whatever comes. Does that sound like it's kind of a great way to strategize? It does. And also, I think from a more practical standpoint, I'm, I'm you know, I don't think this is something that we can continue to sustain. We really can't sustain mass lockdowns over and over and over again, schools, etc. And I think the government is quite aware of that. And so I'm very optimistic and hopeful that whatever we're facing in the future, um, you know, assuming things don't vary and turn completely different, which again, there's no reason to believe that. I, I'm very optimistic that I don't think we'll be experiencing similar types of lockdowns in the future. That's just my, my sense. Right. Wrong. Mm-hmm. That, I couldn't agree with you like, more. And I also took your advice last time we spoke, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how much news should we actually be listening to? And is it a wise idea if you know that the news triggers you to kind of avoid mm-hmm. watching it all the time? Well, I can use myself here as an example. I'm a very calm person by nature. I don't worry. I under-worry, if anything. Well, I worry a lot about my kids, but you know what parent doesn't? Right. <laughs> but, you know, again, I'm not, an, I'm not even an anxious parent. I just kind of, you know, very protective and all that, but not anxious. And I'm a calm person, always have been very risk-taking. And I find that I, I, my whole mood changes when I watch the news. And when I read the news, rather, I don't really watch it. But if I, you know, just, just scanning headlines on my iPhone, the, the Apple headlights and what are highlights, whatever. It just, it, there's an instant physiological shift and I can feel it. And I tried to come, become more mindful of that. And that's not to say that we shouldn't read the news. Of course, we need to stay informed. But it's so important 
in this day and age of 24-7 headlines, um, headlines which are some of which are authentic and some of which aren't, I stick to trusted resources, trusted newspapers or financial, uh, sorry, uh, journalistic outlets, Mm -hmm. um, university websites, you know, and I just don't look, I really don't get my news from more than three or four sources, five sources. And um, I think it's good for people to stick with those reputable sources and just, you know, read maybe every other day, every few days. Mm -hmm. If something's important, you'll hear about it through somebody. Right. That's a really that's a really valid point. If it's important, we're going to hear about it. And I also like the fact that, you know, stick to like the reputable resources and just kind of go with that. I think that's really helpful. When we come back, how we can help our children coexist with COVID-19. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Coexisting with COVID-19 is our conversation today, and Dr. Natasha is offering us tips and coping strategies, but I thought we could offer parents and children some insight on how to adapt to the new normal in school. Um, Dr. Natasha, with kids physically going back to school, or many kids physically going back to school, there is sure to be some anxiety on both ends, parents and children. What can we tell these kids to help keep them confident about going back to the classroom? I actually don't think that kids are going to be terribly anxious to go back to school uh, for the most part. Of course, there may be some exceptions. I don't want to say everybody, but I think in large part, they're very happy to go back. And I've I've asked every child that I've asked, you know, including my own, uh, which is a very small sample size. I'm not, not saying that, but they are quite please to go back. They're kind of jumping at the helm, to be honest. And this is sort of across all age groups, remarkably, because they miss it. They miss being around humans and friends and the whole social piece as much as anybody else. So I think that's actually going to be easy, you know, even with the masks, they don't care, you know, like their children are brilliant at being resilient and just going with the flow for the most part. It's the parents, I think, that will feel more anxiety. And this is understandable. I mean, children can still transmit. Um, they certainly aren't at risk for getting very ill uh, from these things. But, but at the same time, you know, depending on who lives in your home and whether they've chosen to vaccinate or not, and all these sort of factors and underlying conditions, yada, yada, I think there's always going to be for a while that, you know, for some people that anxiety. So it's really important for the parents always to manage their anxiety. It's okay to have worries, concerns, and to take steps to uh, keep yourself safe, keep your children safe, keep your family safe. It's quite another to be anxious and anxiety, which is an unhealthy form of worrying concerns. So they have to manage it on that end. And generally speaking, children who have confident, calm parents, uh, they are confident, calm kids. I guess the, the question is, how do we help our parents get ready and get their kids ready? Because, I mean, the anxiety is definitely coming from the parents. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed that with myself, I, I'm amazed at how much I say around my kids that, um, particularly my older one, who's eight and a half or almost eight and a half, <clears throat> how much that he picks up on, even my little one. Mm-hmm. Like they repeat, they're like, 
sponges, we all know that expression, that they, they truly listen to every last thing that we're saying. And then they mimic us. <laughs> and I, it's been very interesting for me to observe, even for me, you know, as someone who's worked in parenting in the field of child development for years, even before coming a parent, you know, how, how easy it is to forget that these little ears are listening to everything and then you hear them repeating back to you and you're quite shocked, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want them to <laughs> say that. <laughs> right. You know, it, it happens, like, or it happens to everybody. We're all humans and as even parents, you know, and, and or especially parents. So, yeah, I think it's about, you know, you, you, you've got to... You've got to keep your own perspective and you've got to be very mindful about what messages are you sending to your children, both directly and indirectly. And this doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and like constantly consumed with what you're saying and doing around them. It just means you need to display a sense of balance Mm -hmm. about how you are managing your life and, and the environment, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Now, should we be honest with our kids about two things? So I've been honest with my kids from the beginning about COVID. We've let them hear the news, listen to the news, you know, mm-hmm. obviously within reason. But are should we be honest with our kids about how we feel? Or should we shelter them from that and kind of keep them isolated in like a little glass menagerie? I think people who feel who fall in the grayish zone, meaning they, there's some things that they have many things that they accept about the situation. And there's a few things that they may reject and they, they, they're taking it in stride and it doesn't completely consume them. And they're not falling on, on an extreme end, like, uh, which is probably most people, to be honest, they're not really going to talk that much about it, which is appropriate. Like it should, I really don't think that, talking excessive talking about the pandemic and COVID it is just I stopped talking about it it's media <laughs> media interviews aside for the most part I mean you know, of course it came up in, in conversation here and there but I made a very conscious decision last summer mm-hmm. to stop talking about it. I think the last time I was on your show I mentioned this mm-hmm. like with my friends I was just not going to engage in those conversations because they were just it was the same thing over and over and over on repeat so I, I don't recommend over talking about the situations and the same applies to our kids now that being said people who have really 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 strong opinions about everything they they always they tend to by nature share those opinions with everybody and anybody in your shot including your children mm-hmm. which i don't think is a good idea right <laughs> so i i would advise not to do that but um i think it's just important again to maintain balance share what's absolutely necessary talk about things when when crucial changes happen and then just get on with life and focus on other things. And that's not a form of denial. It's a form of shifting focus, which is a very different thing. I, I love that and shifting the focus. I think that's so important and it's going to help with your overall mental health. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, it, we know it's not going anywhere, but you make a really valid point. It's like you just stop talking about it as much as you can. But what are the ways that people can actually look after their overall health, both physically and mentally, in order to keep them kind of like focused on what's really important? Yeah, well, that's some, that's one thing I'm hoping that people will learn from all of this and take going forward, because 
we still don't live in a culture here that values wellness and the individual might that value wellness. We do have a lot of individuals um, who value health and wellness, if not in action, then at least in spirit. <laughs> and, you know, there's lots of businesses in, in, in the Western world to cater to that, you know, with the health drinks and the gyms and the, and the blah, blah, blah. And all of that, th- those are all fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you have to actually have the space and time in your life to live that out. And you, and you have to have the discipline and the dedication to live that out. So, like, there are really simple, straightforward things that cost nothing that people can do to take care of their health preemptively before getting sick and to improve their immunity. Like, why wait till we get infected or in the middle of a pandemic to, um, you know, to start uh, wearing masks and to start washing our hands, wearing masks when sick. I I have to clarify that. Mm -hmm. But to washing our hands, you know, when we, not all the time, but like washing our hands when we, you know, there's a a possibility of of, uh, transmission of something. So, but little other things like just sleeping at night, you know, like making sure you get eight hours of sleep a night, making sure what are you putting in your body? You know, if you value yourself and your body, you don't feed it garbage and junk food seven days a week. You, you feed it good food most of the time. You indulge some of the time, you know, you, you get exercise, you sleep, you take care of that thing. You take care of that body. And that isn't immediately fighting a virus in front of you. What it does is it sets up your body. Uh, for a long for a long life and a strong life and that's what I think people I encourage them to to do that and I encourage our culture to make itself um, more agreeable to that businesses time off paid time off vacation you know being have more balance between time spent at work and time not you know both kinds of things I'm so happy that you said that because you're right. We are cult like as a as a group. I think individually, most people are in tune with what to do to be healthy. There are so many resources out resources out there, but we're not using those resources to our fullest. And the most effective things are the things that you don't need to pay for. So, like you That's said, right. I'm huge advocate of proper solid sleep. Let's do what we can to get the good sleep. Let's encourage our whole family to get the sleep we need. Um, and that's easy enough and eating well and balanced and getting as physically active as you can. I think those are three important things. And I'm so happy you said that because I want everybody to know that that's the best way. That's the best defense against anything, virus, non-virus, mental health. I mean, it is the best totally. way, right? Um, yep. And we're going into a new wave of things to worry about, or not necessarily worry about, but to deal with, to contend with. And one of the things I've noticed with my own children is in their own social circles, they're experiencing, my kids are a bit older, so like 15 and 12 and a half. And in their own social circles, they're experiencing different families um, dealing with COVID differently. So some families are extremely concerned about, you know, social distancing and not getting together and always wearing a mask. And we're noticing it on in sports as well. So my son plays baseball. Some kids are always wearing a mask. Some kids aren't. What is mm-hmm. the conversation we should be having with our children? Because we have to accept everybody for how they're dealing with COVID. Yeah. Well, children are going to mimic their parents. I have seen it time and time and time and time again in my life. doesn't matter if they're 14, 15, 16, or 8 and 5 like my kids. They just look to their parents. And that is a tale of old of time. It's universal. It's timeless. And the reason for that is, of course, that children... Uh, of all ages, they want their parents' approval. And that's what the root of that is. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they just want their parents to approve of them, always. And so we have to 
um, how are we treating people? You know, it's okay to have differing opinions. Um, and we need to teach our children that send them that message that it is okay for people to have differing opinions from you and you can still be respectful and kind to them. Now, if the, if the opinions dr- dr- uh, differ drastically and you have such drastically differing values, you're probably not going to become friends or close, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean that you treat these people like they're in, non-humans, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't take you don't have to take crap from people. No one should take that from anyone, and everyone should stick up to themselves and assert themselves and make sure there's a clear boundary and take steps necessary to protect themselves or or what have you. Report individuals, etc. All of that is important part of self care and self interest. But you know, being respectful of people and uh, allowing them their right to their opinion, even when their opinions are crazy. Okay, like people, a lot of people have crazy, crazy opinions. Like, I'm just going to say it. It's true, right? Mm-hmm. I think there are people that have really crazy thoughts and crazy opinions that are based on, on, on very, very, you know, no logic. Even people like that, you've got to display humanity. Because, first of all, they're, they have the freedom and the right to have that opinion, as crazy as it is. They may not be able to act it out, but they have a right to it. Everyone has a right to their own thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's this. It's it's that. It's that blanket compassion and 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 sort of respect for humanity. Even if you don't, you don't have to engage with them. You don't have to be friends with everybody. But I think it's important to teach our children that it's important to be um, compassionate and empathic and respectful of everyone's rights to be the human that they need to be. If that makes sense, within reasonable means, within bound certain boundaries, obviously. Right. <laughs> uh, no, I think that makes complete sense, and that's kind of what I've been telling my own children: is like respect everybody, be kind to everybody, and just understand that everybody's dealing and learning to deal with things so much differently. You know what, yeah. Doctor Natasha? It's always such a great conversation. I love chatting with you. I get so much insight, and I feel so much more confident after we've talked. So I can't thank you enough for joining me today. If listeners. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's true. It's a great conversation. But if listeners want to learn more about you or get more amazing information, how can they do that? Uh, you can reach me via my website, which is natashasharma.com. Uh, and then the 8-Hour Therapist has been a really interesting thing that we launched earlier this year, which is a self online self-counseling, self-cognitive behavioral therapy program, which is just a way to um, take control of your own emotional and mental health uh, right from your own home. And that's at the eight hour, that's at eight hour therapist.com. I love that. So we'll definitely be checking that out. And if anybody wants to find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiella or my website, Claudia That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of the wellness prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. The wellness prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.